This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Welcome to episode 73 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking very smart on this sunny winter day, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. <laughs> sunny but glistening, I think. A little bit frosty last night or in the early hours of the morning, but over in Cambridgeshire with a sunny smile to just twinkle that frost away, we have Thordis <laughs> Maria Sophia Friedrichs, looking kind of cheerful in your orange and I don't know, is the other colour grey or is it mild? It's mild, darling. Oh, it's marvellously it mild. Oh, well, there you go. I got it right. Oh, that's we're one a, up for me. We're a bit giddy. We've spent a lot of the time before the podcast chatting about snowdrops. We're obviously all getting kind of excited about those, even those of us who don't have any. Um, but we've got so many plants to talk about this hour a guest who is long overdue to the Talking Dirty podcast. And you know what? I'm going to consult my book because... Are you sitting comfortably? The introduction could take some time. Uh, we have Mr. Plantaholic, author of The Jungle Garden, head gardener at Warmer Castle, holder of four national collections, Philip Ostenbrink. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get into all of that wonderful planty goodness, do you have any middle names? Yes, my middle name is Lawrence. <laughs> Oh, oh, it sounds so much better in your accent. <laughs> in fact, just say your whole name in your glorious accent for us. Uh, it's uh, Philip Lawrence Ostenbrink. Oh, we're just going to be in heaven for the next hour enjoying your voice, <laughs> Philip. Um, well, it's, it's so lovely to have you join us. We actually yeah, would have made this happen a long time ago, but messages got lost in the ether and it's just yeah. wonderful to have you along. So... It's hard to know where to start, but perhaps at the very beginning, when did the gardening bug start for you? Oh, I've had the gardening bug as long as I know. It's, uh, I grew up in the Netherlands. Uh, my grandmother had quite a big garden and uh, we often went down there to, um, to help her with the garden. And uh, my parents had an allotment for a while as well. So out there and yeah, I was always out in the garden. It's always been one of those things. And I think it was also... Um, one of my neighbours, he was a head gardener somewhere and um, he always had these unusual plants. And I can remember, I think I must have been six or something, that he gave me a fuchsia magellanica alba. And I only knew the uh, the normal, uh, well, the ricotonii. And um, I think that was the first time that I thought, oh, this is different. I really want that. And he gave me a cutting of that. And that plant or a cutting of that is still in my mother's garden now. So uh, it's been there a while. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So I think that's how it started. Just um, always had that bug. And I think mainly um, it's, for me, it's about plant collecting. Um, I just, if it's unusual, I've never seen it before. I want it or I need it more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like with some people, it's that, that well, everyone's gardening journey is different, but it feels like your appreciation of your love of your connection to particular unusual plants started really early and then just carry on all the way through. Uh, yeah, I think it is. As I said, that fuchsia was one of them, but. Um, I also collected um, succulents. I had this little rock rockery along my parents' drive, um, probably only a square metre or something like that. But uh, yeah, some um, some stone in there. And um, uh, my uncle used to grow uh, sempervivans for a local nursery as well. So I got some plants from him and gradually planted it up. And I can also remember that um, the local nursery, they had some house plants. And I knew that on Thursday, they always went to the wholesaler. And to get some more so thursday after school i would always go down there to see what uh, cacti they had and uh, unusual ones so i had quite a large collection of cacti at one point as well and then um, i think carnivorous plants was another one and then some air plants and all those <laughs> things i killed those it's <laughs> quite an interesting thing because i think i if i if i think back to my youth my childhood my childhood started with cacti as well um, really yeah yeah and yeah, there's my nephew's the same <laughs> <laughs> There's a lady who lived in our village um, and she had, I mean, one of these big old barrel cactus things oh, and it was always having little babies around the base, you know, and, and yeah. can I have one of those, please? May I have one of those? Um, I love the way you just said, I need it, Philip, not I want it. There's a subtle difference. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but for a collector, a huge difference. <laughs> 
Um, I think Flomo will become, I need it. Yes. <laughs> Plant needs. Yeah, a much yeah. better way of defining Flomo, uh, the, the, the desperate needs of the, the plant collector. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's fast forwarding quite a bit, but how have you come to have four different collections? Well, I started with um, Hakunokloa, the Japanese forest grass. Um, I think that was in 2013 or something like that. And um, I didn't have a lot of space. So I had, all I had really was a balcony, uh, quite a large uh, balcony, but still um, that was it. So I had them on there. And I thought I'll have a small national collection. But I think maybe at some point I saw them Gardens World when I was still in the Netherlands that there was such a thing as a national collection. So I got more and more of those. And uh, then I thought, well, how many do you need for a national collection? Um, so found out. And um, uh, I thought, well, it's a nice small collection because, um, well, a lot of people might even think there's only one Hackenachloa or maybe two if you count the species as well. But um, I've, I think I've got about 18 or 20 different ones now. Um, so it's manageable then, even in a small garden. That's why I started that. But then um, I think I then got interested in Ophiopogon japonicus as well. Uh, you know, the little dwarfy ones. So uh, I, I thought I started with those and then, yeah. I thought, oh, I can keep those in pots and I don't need much space for those either. You know, and <laughs> every time I added a rather small collection, <laughs> which didn't really help uh, in the end. But um, uh, then Aspidistra was another one. And that was one where it was a bit like Hack and the Chloe. You think there's only one and then you suddenly discover another one. I uh, When I worked at Canterbury Cathedral, there was a variegated Aspidistra in uh, the Dean's Cold Frames. And um, I saw that and I thought I, I thought there was only the green one, you know, the normal Elatio. Uh, and then you start looking and someone else gave me a spotted one. And yeah, then then I went on some nursery websites, which <laughs> was a big mistake. <laughs> but um, uh, so now I've got the National Collection of Aspirista Elatio and Sichuanensis, which are both uh, both hardy ones. Um, but I couldn't have all Aspidistra because I just really haven't got the space for it also. If I had that entire collection, I would want to do proper research into to them. So um, identify them by the flowers and everything. And there are people who are far better at that than I am. So uh, I'll, I'll just stick to um, just buying the uh, odd new Aspidistra Latio usually. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's how it's sort of expanded. It's just these things. I find one, think, oh, I didn't know there was another one. And then, um, yeah, same with variegated conflict area. I didn't even know there were any when <laughs> someone gave me a variegated one uh, and now I've got uh, I think about 15 different ones so um, yeah it's just that that is I think that sparked it every time that um, I saw a plant and I didn't know there was another one of that uh, particular species and uh, you just start collecting and then uh, you want them all and I have got other collections as well it's not that um, I only grow those plants of course but uh, yeah you have to stop somewhere <laughs> I can't just start collecting national collections <laughs> well even Alan has to stop somewhere yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I've only got a national collection of, of um, colchicums so I mean that's enough Ooh, I think lovely, uh, my, yeah. tail, my tail with an aspidestra is somebody gave me one Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you open your garden to the public, um, somebody will come along and normally it's normally it's a delightful little elderly lady. And she's either got her grandson or her nephew trundling along, pull it, you know, hugging this great big old pot. <laughs> and she said, I've got this. <laughs> I've got this aspidestra. And I thought that you might like it because I don't have any room for it anymore. Um, I don't know why, but she, anyway. Um, and to be quite honest, I looked at it and I thought, boring. <laughs> <laughs> but... I planted it in the garden and in a very sheltered place, I have to say, and that's probably about 25 years ago. And it's still there today. And oh, they're very hardy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in this narrow little place. It's very shady. It may be in the height of summer gets a, a splash of sun at the end mm -hmm. of the day, but that's all. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was just amazed. I didn't realise that they were hardy. No, um, most people don't. But you see it um, even in the Dean's Cold Frame that had been there for years. And I think that's what often happened. People throw it behind a glass house somewhere on a half compost yeah. heap. And then yeah. uh, three years later, it's still alive. And uh, so um, that's really good. But like the Elatio, they're hardy to um, probably about minus 20. Even. <laughs> uh, and uh, Situanensis, um, minus 15, minus 20. But I've got another one. Uh, which is called uh, One Fat Lady, and that one uh, can go minus 25. Philip, is that because it's got an extra layer of fat on it? Well, possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah it could be <laughs> but uh, the only problem is with them that you think oh they're a nice foliage plant and they could replace hostas but slugs love them just as much unfortunately oh, yeah. so uh, yeah you do get some uh, nobles but uh, well, no, I think at this really time nice. of the year I'm, I mean I'm at this time of the year I don't know whether you're into winter flowers very much but this time of the year I'm very much enjoying all the varieties of era metallic and pictum um, oh yes yeah. those lovely marbled leaves and I think yeah. um Wim Bowen was uh, in an article recently said they are the winter hostas. And if you think right. they are really, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you, you get the foliage in the middle of winter. Yeah. Um, people think in general terms that there's nothing to see in the garden in winter. Mm. But if you combine arums and hostas, you know, you've got 12 months of the year yeah. foliage in the garden. What could be lovelier? Yeah, well, exactly. And that's what I'm more about. I, um, I went through a list of well, what plants can I talk about? And um, not one of them is about flowers. It's all about <laughs> foliage for me. So, uh, yeah, something like those arums. And there are other cultivars as well. Uh, yeah. Really beautiful selections on there. I love them. I really love them. Yeah. Years ago, Christopher Lloyd wrote a book on just called Foliage Plants. And yeah. his, his title of it was, was Don't Worry About, you know, flowers. You'll get them anyway. Yes. Because foliage plants have flowers, too. Um, but, you know, if you want to concentrate on foliage um, and it was a it was an island bed he was talking about and how you actually contrast one plant against another to show them off. And I noticed that some of your photographs that, that you sent prior to this um, chat that we're having today, there was some fantastic foliage groupings there. Well, thank you. That's my own garden, actually. So. Is it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, my garden is slightly smaller than yours, Alan. <laughs> uh, mine is um, six by ten metres. <laughs> so, all right, well, that's, that's enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can uh, put loads of plants in there. And that's also why I um, I think I really like the jungle garden plants, because I was sort of that look, because you can cram loads in. Yeah, well, I sort of thought that, you know, this is a very, very useful train of thought for people with small spaces, um, providing you leave enough room so that you can have a bench or a table and chairs or something outside somewhere. But yeah. to just, I mean, to, to wade through your jungle just after a thunderstorm would be dripping. Yes, <laughs> yeah. there's hardly a path going through my garden. <laughs> oh, that's the dream. Don't want to waste any space. <laughs> <laughs> no, and in, uh, in 2020, when, um, of course, uh, I didn't open my garden for the NGS. I usually open in August. But um, so I didn't have to cut anything back from the path. And uh, I think it was around late August or in September, you could actually not see the path at all. <laughs> That's how dense it was. <laughs> when did your whole adventures in jungle gardening start? Um, I, I think it's something that even when I was in horticultural college, I... Uh, when I did uh, bits of garden design, I was already looking at oh, what different shapes do you put next to each other. So in that sense, with the foliage, that's what I've always looked at. And um, I went to uh, Tresco in 1998 when I did work experience in the UK and uh, went there for a couple of days. And yeah, I love that as well. And um, I think that's sort of where it sparked. And then the main one uh, was um, I went to see Will Giles's garden. And uh, it was actually, I think, two or three weeks before he died. So um, I went there uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And um, first of all, we got there and uh, there was a wedding going on. Um, so we went somewhere else. And at the end, we said, oh, shall we go back? Was this, I think it's a reopen from three or something. Um, we did go back. And I'm so glad I did, because, of course, the garden hasn't been open since. And uh, I think that was my main inspiration, really, for uh, for jungle gardening. And it's... Uh, especially coming from the Netherlands, of course, a lot of things there wouldn't be hardy, which are hardy in the UK. Um, things like fascia were quite difficult when I moved. Uh, and uh, you saw those, and for me, that was this exotic plant, the fascia, I mean, <laughs> look at them now. You <laughs> think I haven't got one in my garden. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there are some variegated uh, forms available, which I also love. But um, uh, So yeah, that, that whole tropical things and to be able to grow these uh, different plants. And it was completely different to any plants I've grown in the Netherlands. And I think that's where the bug came up again. Yeah, yeah. Think, oh, this is different. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will was, a, Will was a, um, one of the first people, I think, to do sort of this kind of exotic gardening. Yes. Yeah. He did write a very good book on it as well. Yes, I've got it. Yeah, both yes, have I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but you're yeah talking you can't about get them fats. anymore. <laughs> no, talking about fatsias, though, there are some splendid variegated ones. I mean, yeah, there's a fatsia spider's web, um, which when I first 
Yeah. When I first saw that, Philip, I thought this looks as if it's been sprayed with weed killer. <laughs> yeah, spider mite is my thought sometimes. Yeah, yeah spider mite. If, if you like me, like variegation, then people always tell you that. <laughs> so <laughs> but, I wouldn't possibly, I couldn't say that. <laughs> but when you see a juvenile plant, it does look neglected and ill. But when you see it opening up and smiling in the garden with yeah, wonderful foliage exactly. in shade, it transforms it and it is a splendid plant. It's beautiful. It, it was um, grown by um, someone in Japan originally, of course. So yeah. um, the artist has recently um, said it should really be called Tsumugi Shibori. So that is the, the original Japanese name. Um, it's almost like a recognition for the grower as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's a nice plant, and there's a yellow variegated one as well. And they definitely have their place, and uh, but uh, it, it's just the difference with when I first came over to the UK. You just thought this is this exotic plant, and now you just think, oh, it's a fascia. <laughs> you know, that's the difference <laughs> uh, over the last thirteen years. I think it is now <laughs> fourteen nearly. <laughs> Do you grow farfugium? Oh yes, love them. Yeah, yeah. I've got Oreo maculata and. Um, uh, I've got another one. Oh, it's a Japanese one as well. Um, Kiroku, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. And it's got, almost got like a warty growth on top of the leaf. Yeah. Really unusual. That is incredible. I mean, I love foliage that does something. Yeah. And I mean, the farfugium with the spot, the yellow spots on the leaves is lovely. But yeah. they're not absolutely fully hardy, are they? Uh, no, I've, um, I've had a few that um, sort of disappeared. I, I think it's it's mainly drainage, and um, I've grown that uh, Oreo maculata in a pot, and it's still looking amazing now. Yeah, um, yeah. So they seem to do a bit better when they uh, maybe in a pot or really well drained. Or raised um, bed or something. Yeah. Yeah, and but they they are just lovely plants to grow, and I know there are quite a few new ones uh, going to be introduced over the next few years here as well. So definitely want to watch, and with the milder winters, hopefully we can just leave them outside and. Uh, uh, in the garden, even and just uh, they'll be happy, hopefully. Well, it's amazing what 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 the amount of different plants that are becoming thought of as hardy. Um, yes. One of the things we started with here was that um, Selenum, a member of the potato family, yep. it has these little fruits on that are green and they turn to orange. Um, and when I when I first grew that, it, I left it out in the garden in the winter and it died. Hmm. But seedlings appeared. Yeah. And the seedlings, gradually, I think, they have become hardier and hardier. And today it, it stands outside and it's completely unscathed by our winters. It gets a little bit jaded around the edges when we yeah. have very cold weather, but, I mean, yeah. it's alive. Yeah, we've got one um, in the in our moat. We've got a dry moat around uh, Warmer yeah. Castle, which I'm hoping to turn into a jungle garden, actually. And um, nice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to... Uh, well, we've already started planting a bit, but... Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, Solanum uh, aliciniatum, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, something. It yeah, uh, that is in there, and it, it must be about two and a half meters tall, and yeah, it's still green. Yeah, loves it. And then we find seedlings about half a mile away. So. <laughs> you know that birds. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, no, it is changing, and um, uh, I mean, of course, climate change isn't the best thing, but uh, it's nice to be able to grow some other things in your garden. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. Yes, yes, it is. You must be absolutely brimming with inspiration for, for planting up that moat area at Wilmer Castle, because um, obviously recently you completed your jungle garden book. And I suppose there may be people who only know you through that book or maybe I suppose people who follow you on Instagram. How, how long did it take to put that together and what was the original spark of an idea for that? Um, I think um, in 2018 I was on uh, Gardener's World and um, they asked because they also did another tropical garden in my village then and uh, they said oh how are the two gardens different and I then said oh well it's um, mine is more about the foliage so and different foliage combinations like that as well uh, so more of a jungle garden instead of uh, a tropical garden which I feel is more have more like um, vibrant colors you know like bright flowers and everything um, so um, I think that's where it sort of started um, then then I thought well that is actually something that's not really been written about much and um, um, I love writing things. I've written articles as well. So, but I wanted to write something that was a bit more unique, a bit more niche, maybe even in a way, because um, so many people have already said how to to grow potatoes or whatever, you know, like, or how to prune a rose, those things. So I just thought, well, I don't really need to add to that. It's, uh, there's enough about that. So I, I just thought, yeah, something different. And uh, that's how I started it. So um, I... Um, Roy Lancaster actually put me in touch with uh, Philwood Press, my publisher, 
and uh, they were very enthusiastic about it. And I think I started, yeah, January 2020, I started writing. And then, um, yeah, throughout 2020, um, I've uh, written bits and everything and chapters and uh, found lots and lots of pictures. Uh, of, uh, I had a brilliant photographer called Sarah Cuttle, who did most of the photography in there, like 99.9% uh, of her pictures. Sometimes there was like the odd one, oh, just a quick snap in my garden. But uh, <laughs> uh, most of them uh, are from Sarah, who's really brilliant. And um, yeah, so that was that. And then um, last year, it was all put together. The design was all done. And uh, in October, it came out. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy with it. it the I love the writing bit. I didn't really like the finding 20,000 pictures again because uh, Dropbox was a bit slow but, uh, um, but uh, it was just uh, I, I really enjoyed that bit and everyone kept on saying it would be worth it in the end so I'm not sure <laughs> this, this, is, this is really starting to annoy me now and then but it, they were right it was worth it in the end so um, yeah it's I'm, I'm really pleased with it and uh, it's been quite well received as well there's also a Dutch version uh, called the jungle the jungle town as you should know <laughs> and um, published by Terra there and uh, they're also very enthusiastic about it so it's really nice and I think it helped that on my Twitter and my Instagram I've been uh, following and uh, well, people have followed me as well I followed back um, lots of people who like jungle gardening because it's of course so nice because you can just search on uh, hashtags and you find people who like the same garden as you do uh, so uh, yeah, quite a lot of there over Christmas have posted a picture of my book, so uh, <laughs> it was really nice. And uh, I don't know if I'll write another book, but I'm just very pleased that I pleased wrote one, and uh, I'm very happy with this one. Well, there you go. There's something for us all to go and, and get if we haven't got it already after the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, Philip, show and tell is obviously yes. the, the heart of uh, of talking dirty, and I know. <laughs> well, we've been promised a crate of plants. Yeah, which... they're quite big pods, though. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like 24. <laughs> I'm already excited though. So what do you want to start with? Um, well, I think if I start with one of my uh, National Collection plants, I think that's uh, it's always a good start. <laughs> so, see if I can get that out of the crate. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> oh! So that is um, one of the Citronensis aspidistras. And this one, um, it is quite often sold as chromatographic, um, but the, uh, the proper name, uh, the Japanese name is Kinboshi. And um, it was um, introduced by uh, Mikanori Ogisu, a very, very famous uh, Japanese plantman, of course. And I don't know if you can see that, but the, yeah, the, the spots yeah. sort of have this uh, aura around them. And it's just an amazing plant. Also very hardy, of course, uh, minus 15, could probably survive minus 20, might die back a bit, but uh, the roots should be all right. Um, just a really nice plant. And, the Citronensis are quite different to the Elatios because um, they have a bit of a more open uh, trailing habit as well. So it goes outward a bit more. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, really lovely plants, these. So uh, that was my first show and tell. That is beautiful. <laughs> the, the foliage, it's almost like when they do a shot of the Milky Way and you get yes. all of these beautiful, like different textures and layers yeah. of, of colour. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And it is so sought after this one as well. And uh, I actually managed to get it from a, a nursery in Italy who sold it under a different name. And I don't think they realised what they had, but they have now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, amazing plants. And it's funny as well, because Italy, for some reason, uh, Aspidistas are very, very popular. I run a, a European Aspidistra group on Facebook, and a lot of the members are from Italy. So I don't know what it is about Aspidistas that... Uh, it's uh, Italians like, or maybe they like Italy. <laughs> it's it's funny how different countries sometimes you kind of develop a culture for liking a certain plant. I was um I was trying to find some um some nice named coleus or mm. whatever they're called these days. Um, and uh, I was reading an article by Dan Cooper, the frustrated gardener, about how yeah. Yeah, it's just down the road for me. <laughs> You're in such a hotbed of horticulturalists uh, where you yeah. live, Philip. But uh, it seems over in America, there's so much more kind of appreciation and selling lots of named varieties. Whereas yeah. over here, you might happen upon some, you know, seed grown mixes in a garden centre, but there just isn't quite as much appreciation in the UK. No. It's frustrating because I want to buy lots of them. Yeah, well, I hope that I'm actually planting um, loads of them this year because we've got some Victorian uh, bedding uh, terraces as well uh, here at the gardens. And I've just ordered, I think it was 500 Black Dragon uh, coleus. So uh, 
yeah I can't wait to plant those. I love those. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so that's show and tell number one. Aspidistra tick. Yeah, tick. <laughs> done that. Now I can move on. <laughs> um, so as I warned, they are all foliage plants. <laughs> well, that's, we are very happy with that. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Can you see that all right? Yeah. Beautiful foliage. Yeah, so um, this is a Trevisia palmata, and this is a particular cultivar called Micolitsii, which has got like more side bits to the leaves, so the other one uh, won't be so intricate. So the normal uh, palmata, sorry, so I'll hold that there. <laughs> um, it's um, Aurelia C, so uh, related to um, Axia as well. Uh, the foliage looks a bit like it, so it is quite glossy, quite leathery as well. It is just one of those, I love it. And um, I got this one from France. I think it was through the uh, Great Dixon Plant Fair. Uh, Dino brought some over with him. Uh, and I didn't realize it was this cultivar. I thought it was just a Trevisia palmata. But um, it was um, yet one of those Flomo plants for me. And then I managed to get it and I'm really pleased with it. But the trouble was that um, uh, I think I got it just before I opened my garden for the last time for the NGS, like in September or something. And I just plonked it in somewhere in a tub and I thought, oh, let's stay in there and at least I won't have to water it all the time. And then I forgot about it completely. <laughs> and then, of course, by the time I was putting everything uh, to bed, I just thought, oh, that plant is still in there. We'd had loads of rain, so it completely rotted. <laughs> so I stuck it in the, uh, so I had it for a month or so. I stuck it in my garage, hoping it would drain and hoping it would shoot up again. But in spring, you could see that the base of it was completely rotted away. Um, so I just thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. I cut the entire stem in half, stuck them in a rose pot, and both of them grew. So oh, <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as, as rare as they are and um, sought after, you can actually just um, cut them in half and you have two. <laughs> I just I love it. And it is, um, it is quite hardy as well. Um, it's sort of uh, tetrapanics uh, hardiness. Um, I, I reckon they need to be a bit older. So uh, this young plant um, is uh, in my polytunnel, which isn't heated. Um, so uh, the other day it went down to minus three, three and a half. And yeah, you can see it's still looking great. But I think, um, yeah, when it gets a bit older, I'll, I'll plant it outside and um, keep one back up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, try that, see if that works. But, um, common name, by the way, is snowflake tree. And uh, when the new foliage comes out, it is white. And yeah, you can sort of see it's the it is the shape of a snowflake. You know how you draw a snowflake as well. That uh, the intricateness is on it. So yeah, really lovely thing this is. And also related to one of my other favourites, which I couldn't bring because it was just a stick. With that's uh, Brassiopsis mitis. I just love those as well, and I managed to get some of those. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's related to that. I think even some Trevisian are now Brassiopsis or the other way around. But uh, lovely plants and. Definitely one that uh, people who like foliage need to grow. And and the like the kind of um, I mean I'm not very good on the botanical terms, but the kind of dissection or the space I suppose to put it in a real layman's term that you get in the leaves, like you mentioned there being a snowflake. If you're listening to the audio version and you're not able to see it, those plants they just have such grace and elegance as well as bringing all of that kind of enthusiastic foliage that you want from from a sort of jungle plant. Yeah, definitely, and I think something with a shape like this you could combine with so many other things and it will really break up the monotony um well not that there's any monotony in my garden because <laughs> there's too many plants for that but um is that yeah, adds texture i suppose yeah 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 it adds texture different shape and um uh, something like this could go really well with a linear leaf or um, a heart-shaped leaf for instance uh, just to get that uh, contrast in and then i think you then pick up more the the differences and the uniqueness of each leaf as well if there's not something similar next to it so um yeah that's uh, that's that's what i like about it and this one is so unique i think yeah you could plant it next to so many other things and uh, it'll be great <laughs> do you have that one alan no is that my list? No, I don't. I don't. Definitely needs to go on your list. <laughs> it does need to go on my list and it's a bit like thinking in my mind that some plants need to be Shall we say slightly more mature with a thicker, thicker layer of bark and on yeah. their stems before we put them outside? Schlepras, I was thinking. Oh, yes. Some yeah. of the schlepras are, are similar that they you put them out as a tiny plant and they won't, you know, they just won't do it. Um, mm -hmm. The hardest one for me is um, 
Rhododendrifolia, I think. Yeah, I've killed them three times already. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> yes. Quite <laughs> yeah. unintentionally, of course, Philip. <laughs> no, no, I love them. I, I haven't bought another one now, so I'm going for uh, number four. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, I had um, I had three plants, and for some reason, um, I think it was after two or three years, I had it in a pot and it was just growing really well. And then one day I came in and it had completely uh, wilted. Oh. And it was gone. And that happened with three different ones in three different locations. So uh, like three different gardens even. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I hate it because I really love them. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a shepherd uh, curse following you around. <laughs> yeah, it must be. Well, I hope I didn't take it to Wall Castle because I'm going to put another one in the moat. So <laughs> I might get someone else to plant it. <laughs> so what's up next? You have started very strong, Philip. Oh dear. <laughs> I'll go with another one, which it's not a hardy one, this one. And this is a little white variegated pelagonium. And it's uh, it's almost like a little ball-shaped plant. And it grows really slowly. No, it grows quite quickly, but it, it forms really short growth. So uh, very easy to take cuttings on as well. Um, but this one is called Madame Saleron. And uh, Madame Saleron is one that doesn't flower. Um, and the Victorians loved it because they liked it as edging, because uh, you had this uniform edging all along. And... Um, uh, yeah, it didn't flower, so you didn't have to deadhead them, obviously, either. And um, they can flower, like one in a hundred might shoot out with the flower, but then um, you take a cutting of that, and then it's actually a different cultivar suddenly, which I find a bit odd. But uh, uh, there is like a, a flowering version of this as well, but the proper Madame Saleron is a non-flowering one. And um, yeah, lovely little plant, and, and variegated, obviously, as well. One of my favourites, really, one of my favourite pelagoniums, because it has got that nice round shape to it as well without doing anything to it and this little plant here i've just taken uh, well just it's, it has regrown of course but um, I, I think i took about 40 cuttings off of this little thing here and uh, that was a couple of months ago and it shot up again and uh, i'll probably do the same because eventually i'm hoping to use it for our bedding scheme as well to have something uh, which is very victorian but still different in there and um, yeah love it that is wonderful it, it is it is very victorian it was introduced in 1877 all right, that's very specific. <laughs> Did you just look that up, Alan? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your great knowledge of pelagoniums from Victorian era has come uh, finally to use. I do love old-fashioned pelagoniums. We've got a pelagonium house um, where oh, we keep, you know, lots of old-fashioned pelagoniums. And that's mm -hmm. one that I can remember having pink flowers on. Um, so I'd obviously got the... The opposite clone to the one that you've, you're growing. Yeah, it's sometimes it is actually missold uh, that one. So you uh, may have bought it as Madame Saleron, but the, yeah, the yeah. proper Madame Saleron um, does not flower. And um, I think I've registered as a it as a plant guardian for um, uh, plant heritage as well. Right. And uh, they were quite interested in it because I think someone who collected them started a collection uh, constantly got the one that did flower. Um, so they were after uh, a cutting off uh, one of these. So uh, which is nice. It, if you can share it, then um, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you've well, got forty. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so I, it. Think, I think this is a wonderful idea. It's given me an idea for some bedding schemes that we have, and I mean, you know, not having to deadhead. What's not to love? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's perfect, isn't it? It's a beautiful hummocky variegated plant, so yeah. you've got all of that yeah. interest, and it's super easy to take cuttings from, so you can get lots of yeah. them. I mean, literally, everything's going for it. Absolutely. Oh, no, and they were tiny cuttings as well, and they just all took. Brilliant, yeah. I got this one from a friend of mine, and um, yeah, he gave me one, and I've now got well, at least 40, but I think I've already given some away as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, wonderful plant that is. Yeah. True plantsman, always giving away the plants. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't work because um, sometimes you lose some. <laughs> I have yeah. had that in the past that's as well. Now, when it's yep. getting back. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I can't remember what it was, but definitely uh, that's happened, so it was good. I wasn't anticipating a pelagonium being show and tell number three. So that was a ah. curveball, Philip. <laughs> well, they're not in order of uh, favourites. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. Oh. Equisite and bandage. Oh, yeah. So with um, yeah, um, yellow variegation. variegation. Um, I find it very strange that it's called banded as in IT at the end instead of banded because that... I think would make more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but um, I do grow these in a pot uh, because I don't want them to spread around. You can actually see it's uh, it's coming out of the pot <laughs> as well. Um, I just love it. Uh, it. It's very bright because some of the uh, the stems are nearly completely yellow with just tiny bits of green. Uh, but it just um, it also shows that uh, some things are considered weeds and well invasive, which I, I'm sure it is, but <laughs> uh, but can still also be very beautiful. So um, I also grow uh, variegated, uh, several cultivars of variegated ground elder, for instance, uh, which is also in a pot. But um, yeah, they can still add something uh, nice yeah. to the garden. This one I grow in a pot and the one that's on my patio is another one. Um, I don't think it's as invasive as the normal one, because um, if it's a bit dry or anything, it, every year I see, it seems to get smaller. This one grows in my polytunnel with automatic watering and uh, it loves it there. Uh, but the other one is a bit smaller. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, won't take over your entire garden, but maybe still wise to plant it in a pot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just a lovely thing. It's just uh, nice and upright. Um, and, yeah, the, the bright yellow and green, you can see it, don't you? Yeah. Uh, just uh, so nice, and yeah, especially in winter, to have that extra colour throughout winter in there. It's got so, such personality, that plant. Yes. <laughs> can you grow that one in water? Yes, you can. Yeah. 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 So yeah. If, if people yeah. want to grow that and they, they could put it in a container and put it in their pond and it wouldn't romp all over the garden. No, you could do that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah they, um, it, it likes the same as a normal equisetum. Yeah. So uh, they will grow like that. Yeah. I've got this one um, from Madrona in Kent nursery, yeah. really lovely nursery. And they um, they had it, but I haven't seen it. Liam, I remember Liam. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, they haven't had it for a few years, so I'm hoping uh, they still do it. But uh, otherwise, if anyone needs a cutting, <laughs> I might have quite a few soon. <laughs> well, I'll buy one, Philip. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think the, the wish list might be quite long from Alan to you, Philip, if you're not careful. <laughs> well, you do want one. I said I don't want. I thought you said I don't want one. No, I do. I do. Oh, I do. All right. Okay, I'll get some cuttings going because they're really easy to propagate because you just. Cut them off, stick them in water, and they root. So, um, yeah, no, I'll do that. Um, I was planning a visit this year anyway, so I'll, uh, I'll bring. Oh them well, on. that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so talking about equisetums, you know, being vigorous and easy to take cuttings from and things, were equisetums like trees when the dinosaurs were on the? I feel like I've read that somewhere that some yes, millions they, of years yeah. ago they were these enormous trees, equisetums. Yeah. Yeah, you can still get the the really huge ones, can't you? They're, they're not quite tree size, tree size, but. Um, I think they're at least two, two and a half metres, some of those, which I'd love to grow. Uh, I think they might have them at Kew, is it? I've seen them somewhere. But um, uh, I th it was one of the first plants, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think if you, go, if you go back to the beginning, there were some um, huge specimens. They found mm. fossilised remains of huge specimens, um, which we don't have today. Yeah. No, shame. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to grow one of those. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. You'd go Jurassic Park on it and, uh, and find yeah. a way to bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get me some DNA. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just out of interest, if you haven't got a pond to put it in and you're worried about it drying out, can you put it in a, a saucer of water? Or something this is like actually, that? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I have, yeah. yeah. I've got it in, uh, in in a bright red pot, so uh, the yellow and red uh, contrast quite well. And I just uh, put a saucer under it, so uh, it stays uh, damp all the time. Then, oh, yeah. yeah, well, I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll what? send another cutting. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you got, Philip? This is amazing. Um, let's, uh, we're going to stick with yellow. <laughs> this is a variegated alpinia. And the reason I've also picked it up is, um, shall I just show you? Yeah. Is that ginger family? It is, yeah. Alpinius rumbet, I think it is, uh, variegata. And this uh, was also in my uh, unheated polytunnel. Um, because I have all these plants, I have quite a large polytunnel. It is like a commercial one. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, but they do very well in there. So I've got all my hediciums have died back. Uh, they're all brown, but they'll come up again next year, of course. But um, this one was still looking amazing. So I thought I'll, uh, I'll bring that along. Well, oh, that is a that is a real splash of colour. I mean, that is yeah. it's a stunning leaf. Oh, it is. It really yeah, is. yeah, I love it. Mm. And uh, yeah, as you said, ginger family, um, which you can sort of smell when you uh, cut it back or take take a bit off. It's, uh, it does smell a bit gingery, but uh, it is. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, and um, you don't often see them. And 
I mean, I do love gingers anyway. I've got another smallish collection is my Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the, the spotted ones like Dr. Moy and Verity and uh, Tahitian Flame. I really love those. Um, but this is smaller. And um, as you can see, it it's, uh, keeps its foliage a bit longer. I don't know if it's evergreen, but I'll, I'll tell you in March. <laughs> the, the streaking on the leaves is so kind of artistic. It's like someone's been and painted each of those leaves. Yeah, well, I did uh, make an effort. <laughs> <laughs> is that another one for the wish list, Alan? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I got this one online. <laughs> That's where I'll go. <laughs> yeah. Ebay mine was actually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, good, good source sometimes. Just remember, yeah, yeah. you have been buying snowdrops, Alan. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I know. It's going to be an expensive month. <laughs> yes. Well, this is the time though, because now you have time to browse and um, buy plants. It's a very uh, dangerous time. In, in spring, that's my excuse. In spring, uh, <laughs> you can, uh, you're busy. Uh, yeah, you have, yeah, you're busy. You have to. Uh, be out in the garden don't you and everything yeah. so yeah. um yeah this is a good time to to browse and uh, all the things so, I mean, it's actually we haven't really talked about warmer castle apart from your plans for the for the moat but it is very impressive that you managed to maintain the collections and you know really throw your heart and soul into your your personal garden while also obviously throwing your heart and soul into your head gardener job and write a book yeah, it, well, yeah, <laughs> well, thank you, but uh, it, gardening is just, it's my hobby, my passion, my work and everything, so uh, I don't mind. And once my uh, home garden is planted, because that's uh, jungle, um, there's not much maintenance really anymore, it's just, um, it's fine. And um, last year I planted some more um, hardy stuff in there, so I think I only took two plants out for um, not to put in the glasshouse uh, this winter. Um, so hopefully it'll be even less. <laughs> and, uh, but once everything's covered, then of course you hardly get any weeds come up or anything. So um, uh, that's just mainly enjoying it and uh, making sure that you can still see the path. <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, that's that's the least consideration, really. Yeah. <laughs> if you lose the path, so be it. Yeah, well, that's it. And then, of course, Ed Warmer, I'm, I'm not doing it on my own. <laughs> so that helps as well. Uh, I've got a really, really good team uh, team here. So we've got a big kitchen garden with a kitchen gardener uh, in there as well. And uh, woodlands and meadows and more formal gardens and everything. So I've got a team of five uh, and lots of volunteers. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of delegation, obviously. <laughs> Philip, who is Lord Warden of the Sinkports at the moment? It's Lord Boyce. Lord Boyce. Yeah, Lord Boyce. Yeah, because I mean that Lord Lord Warden of the Sinkport. I um, mean, he is the or they are. I mean, I remember when the late Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, was Lord Warden of the Sinkport, and they spend a few days each year there, I believe. Oh, the current Lord Warden spends far more time here. Actually, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's here uh, quite a lot. Yeah, um, especially um, or during the nicer season. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, he spends weeks on end here and uh, oh, lovely. cycles to sandwich and everything. So uh, yeah, he's he's really enjoying the place because yeah, Warmer is uh, the official residence still to the Lord Warden of the Sankport. Yeah, um, and uh, they have like a part of the the castle and uh, with their own uh, yeah on quarters in a way so uh, yeah yeah that's yeah. uh that's where he lives when uh, when he's here so he is here quite a lot yeah wow oh. how's this crate of plants looking philip how many are left in it i've got one left in it just one <laughs> but it's not it's not variegated even so um can you see that it's a uh, metapanix davidii and it's a really nice um, evergreen shrub I know it's not as spectacular as the others, so <laughs> to admit, but it's evergreen and um, it is related to um, pseudopanax. I think at some point it may have even been a pseudopanax and uh, they split it off. Um, but a really nice construct. It doesn't grow huge, like in our climate, probably metre and a half maximum. And then it's got all these uh, yeah, beautiful evergreen, slightly drooping uh, leaves on there as well. You said you just said that it's not it's not variegated, but when you're using variegated foliage, you need plain green foliage to set the variegated off, don't you? To contrast. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do collect a lot of variegated plants, so that's why I, I was myself surprised that there was actually a green plant in my crate. <laughs> I noticed in one of your photographs. I mean, that it wasn't just the different shapes; it was the different shades of green that, that yes. interested me. I mean, there was a one photograph where you have Hakanakloa 
like a waterfall towards the front. Behind it, I saw some fern fronds. I can't recall what else was in it now. But I mean, I just thought there was quite a lesson there to be learned. I mean, just take that photograph. I would say to any gardener, take that photograph, study it and learn from it. And there's one other thing I'd like to know, Philip, please. There's a plant that you've used in your jungle garden quite a lot. It looks like a stinging nettle. Oh, yes. But it has those lovely little beads um, of presumably flowers, green flowers on it. What is that? Uh, It is another one. You know, I said four national collections is all right. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) You know, sometimes you just get tempted. And um, someone I knew um, got quite a few, uh, Bomeria it is, uh, um, herself. And um, that's how I sort of got that bug for those as well. And especially over the last year, I've started uh, seeing them more and buying them more as well. Uh, Mike Clifford, uh, he gave me one uh, with a leaf that's like that massive thing. And uh, yeah, they are related to uh, stinging nettles. Uh, same really? family so that yeah they have got that sort of same flower as a stinging nettle yeah yeah and, uh, even my neighbor who knows nothing about gardening uh one day i think i um i knocked on a door whilst i was carrying a plant or something like that and she said what kind of stinging nettle have you got there then i said well oh, you're not actually far off <laughs> that was a bomeria <laughs> and there's, there's some really nice ones um uh if you go to uh, hillier's uh, the garden in romsey They've got uh, lots and lots of um, Bromeria polystachia, which uh, has also got quite large leaves, uh, at least 20 centimetres across, if not more. And they've had that, I think, since the 1980s. Very hardy, um, just beautiful, um, yeah, sort of woodland floor plants uh, they yeah. are. And um, uh, Platanifolia is another one that you uh, quite often see, and Nivea, they're also uh, really good. And they all have that sort of, it's almost like the leaf is like a little stingray, so it's round, and then it's got this little pointy bit, uh, like yeah. a stingray has as well. And the yeah, definitely. I used to mainly grow um, or collect actually, um, like linear leaves for some reason that really attracted me. But um, uh, yeah, um, stinging nettle uh, family, I, I really like those as well. There's there's another one which um, is a nice shrub. Uh, it's called um, Oriochnite. Uh, Pedunculata, which is borderline hardy as well. It's sort of, it does die down, but it will shoot up again. And that's more elongated. So that's another um, stinging nettle family uh, that uh, have grown. And I think the worst one, which um, I know my Clifford uh, stopped growing because it stings too much, is um, Girardinia, which is a Japanese nettle. And that does sting, but it only lasts 20 minutes. So you should find it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's not hardy. <laughs> but that has also massive. Uh, uh, leaves like that and uh, I've grown it in in a glass house here slightly at the back but um, yeah you shouldn't touch the plants (laughs) you don't want at the front just some poor unsuspecting person walk past no no, that's it but at the back I thought it'd be fine (laughs) but yeah it's it's really a family I've um, I've gone really grown really fond of over the last year and um, Bomeria I think they will become very popular anyway but uh, they are already uh, uh, becoming more and more popular. Great Dixter uses them in their uh, tropical garden as well. So um, yeah, definitely one to get. And the, yeah, that's one that I just think it might not be a national collection, but I do want them all. <laughs> <laughs> you must battle sort of space in your gardens, loving so many big leaf plants. I mean, obviously it's something we've talked to Mike Clifford and other others about, Dan Cooper, the frustrated gardener, etc. Yeah. Trying to squeeze all of these fabulous plants into a small space. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really like that. And um, when I uh, left the cathedral, which was um, sort of during the first lockdown, um, a lot of my plants were there as well, because uh, I did also did a few uh, displays at Hampton Court, uh, sort of with the cathedral, because the collection, the Hackner Glowers were there, at, uh, although it was my collection. But um, then I suddenly realised, yeah, I do have too many plants, because I thought I need to take them home. This was like a few days before lockdown. It, you sort of felt it was coming on. So... Uh, I thought, yeah, if I can't go in, all my collections will die. And uh, so I started bringing them in. And then um, I was really lucky just outside the village. There's a um, uh, an old nursery. They used to grow cut flowers there. And the people retired a few years ago. And uh, they're now renting out their polytunnels. So they're proper commercial polytunnels, 40 metres by 8 metres, I think they are. Um, so I rented one of those, and which is really handy because now I can just design my garden like I wanted and um, lots of green. So in my garden, I haven't actually got that many variegated plants anymore, but you're yeah, just working with different shades of greens, uh, which I also love. 
And then anything that I just want to collect, I can stick in my polytone and just enjoy there. Plus, it's got automatic watering system. So what else can you need? <laughs> that is a gift. What wonderful I know. Thing. I'm very, very lucky to have that. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is amazing. And you can just, yeah, overwinter quite a lot of things in there as well. And uh, yeah, they just look after themselves almost. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's nice to have something like that. But if I just had my um, six by 10 meter garden, I think I would really, really struggle. <laughs> I wish more people just rented out commercial polytunnels. I know. Yes. I've never heard anyone else who did it. But yeah, they do. There's loads of people. There's a sheep charity there as well, for instance. They uh, rescue sheep and they, uh, they have a few so they can be indoors when it's raining and then use the field the rest of the time. <laughs> but there are sheep in a neighbouring polytunnel. We really need them to not escape into your polytunnel. That would be... <laughs> no, well, yeah, it is locked by polytunnel, luckily, but uh, there is one. It's a massive sheep called Elvis, and he keeps on leaving the field. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite often you're in your polytunnel, you look outside, and you see this big sheep go past. <laughs> But because they're rescues, they're so tame. You just go, come on, Elvis, and he follows you back in. <laughs> it sounds like the best place in the world. I think we all need to move and, and live near you, yeah. Philip. It sounds yes. wonderful. <laughs> well, at least it means you've got more space to accommodate any Flomos you manage to get hold of. If you're joining us for your first ever Talking Dirty podcast, Flomo, well, we've now reclassified it as the plant you need in your life. But basically, it's a flower a plant of any kind that you're having a, a FOMO, a fear of missing out about. Um, I will go first. I have been doing what Philip said and looking through lots of catalogues and seed lists and Instagram. And my FOMO list is very long at the moment. But yesterday I saw a photo from Dean, Dean R. Croucher on Instagram of a rhododendron daricum midwinter, which had the most beautiful little rhododendron flowers right now it looked glorious and I don't think I've really ever had a Flomo for a rhododendron before which I don't that just must have been really snooty um I don't have any I'm not sure I can grow it but it looked glorious so I'm going to go and look up a bit more about that one is it one you have Alan no <laughs> I, I mean the one thing about rhododendrons is that um I don't particularly like rhododendrons as a group of plants at all because I find they're the the map foliage very very dull and boring and I mean they know they, they fill themselves with wonderful flowers but the flowers um, don't last very long um, and you the rest of the year you are stuck looking at that dull dreary foliage it's not to say that I don't have any I've got one called polar something or other which flowers in August in actual fact in our woodland area big, big white flowers on it but I, the, the one thing I do like are some of the species rhododendrons with smaller leaves um, and I love, I mean, my favourite rhododendron, I suppose, is lutium, yeah. which is the, yeah. the deciduous azalea. You get the wonderful scented yellow flowers in spring and the lovely autumn foliage before it drops and dies. And I find that irresistible. But I have got um, two very dwarf rhododendrons, which I grow in pots. Don't ask me the name of them, but they cover themselves with white flowers in April and May. And they plonk either side of a formal doorway in a tall pot, tall container. They look sumptuous. I just love them. Um, and I, I'm waiting for them to get bigger because I have two stainless steel, very tall containers, and I want them to have this big wide cushion over the top of them. Um, I don't know, they're, they're fairly fleeting, but I do like them, yeah. 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 Well, I, I don't know what this one looks like when it's in foliage because I just saw the flowers well, of course um, the thing is that you know rhododendrons have an extremely long season and when i was a child there was um uh, some people that you my parents knew very very well they used to visit us and they used to visit us at christmas time and they always bought a bunch of rhododendrons that were in flower at christmas time and i always thought that was lovely by the way i'll just add one thing if you see a rhododendron for sale called christmas cheer and you think oh gosh this will flower at christmas time hold your horses because it won't it doesn't flower until february or march um i know because i fell for it <laughs> <laughs> do you have any rhododendrons philip no <laughs> it's probably the most diplomatic answer i can give <laughs> <laughs> The inflection in your voice, Philip. <laughs> volumes. Maybe one day I will also have a. No, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> What's your flow, Philip? 
Well, you know, I found that really difficult because I had several plants over the past year that I thought I really want that plant, and I actually got them. So it's uh, I managed to get a Bomeria polystachia from uh, Hillias. Um, and uh, another one that I loved and wanted was uh, Ferbicina uh, Microptala, I'm sorry, Microptera, um, beautiful um, hardy uh, perennial as well. A friend of mine has a nursery in Silso and he had it, so I got a cutting from him. But I think for me, it is mainly um, plants that I would like to add to my national collections because I want them to be complete, you know, like that. So um, I know in um, the US there is a, a new Aspidistra elatio called uh, Tiny Tank, which is like a, a dwarf variegated uh, Aspidistra. And I think looking on any website in America that sells um, Aspidistra, like Plant Delights as well, every time I look on that, you just think, oh, I really need that. I really need that. But um, I think, yeah, Tiny Tank is probably one of those, mainly so I can uh, add it to my collection and have the collection even more complete. That's <laughs> uh, <it's> probably it. <laughs> and if anyone is, is interested in your Aspidistra collection, you have a, a complete list on your website, I think, on your blog of, of all of the ones you've got. Um, no, I've got an availability list on there. Oh, it's an availability list. I do list. sell them as well, yeah. So <laughs> I've got far more than that. Well, <laughs> so even better, people can come and contact you if they want one. Yes, that's it. <laughs> well, Alan, then what's your flomo this week? Well, I mean, uh, I've, I've got two words. I mean, follow that. <laughs> Philip, your list has been phenomenal. Um, I don't think I've ever written so fast in my life. <laughs> I, shall, I shall carry on with um, the Philip's theme, really, which is foliage. Um, and I mentioned earlier various heirlooms that I have that I'm enjoying very much at the moment. And I'd like to take that forward by um, growing more epimediums. Now I know epimediums flower, but um, I'm particularly interested in a woodland area that I'm working on at the moment. And I just think that the, the, the foliage, I mean, they're gonna be, you know, the foliage is gonna be there longer than the flowers. So the foliage has gotta be good. And I'm gonna take a leaf out of Philip's book and I'm gonna use Hakanacloas um as as a as a front plant for the waterfall good choice um, yeah yeah <laughs> it is um and various ferns obviously um and i'm just going to look at foliage with a new respect i think thank you philip oh yeah thank you <laughs> i mean lots of things combine very well with hack of flowers of course yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that picture you were talking about earlier actually that uh, has ethereum dre's dagger behind it well, I've got that in a pot waiting for a home, you see. Oh, there we are. You can just <laughs> copy that image. Yeah, I will. Blatantly. <laughs> yeah. It really has been such an inspiring hour, Philip. But it's it's Thank lovely you. to be able to see such such an array of bright, beautiful plants in January. I mean, we've got a sunny day today. We've had some dreadful weather and it's been dark and dank and horrible. And then <laughs> you turn up with sunshine and foliage form and it's it's been absolutely wonderful. And smiles yeah, and laughter great. and so much knowledge as well. It's It's been a real treat. You will have to come back. I'd love to, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, come back and, and share more wonderful plants at a different time of year from your, your jungle garden. Can I just say something on an optimistic note? I was talking to a fellow Dutchman, uh, a friend of mine this morning called Richard Van Eggman. He said to me, did you notice from the last sunny day that we had that the, the, the days are now getting longer? Take a look. On a sunny day like today, it will get dark later. Definitely. Thought. <laughs> yes, I noticed that yesterday picking up my plants from the polytunnel, actually, because yeah. I was slightly later and I didn't want to do it in the dark, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, 4.30 and I could um, still exactly. find my way around. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> there you saw no, Elvis nice. the sheep going for a walk. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah. he has left the field. <laughs> uh, well, I, I haven't smiled so much in ages, Philip. Thank you so much. It's been a real treat. I can't oh, wait you. for you to come back on. Everyone needs to go and get your Jungle Garden book. I'm assuming that they can just pop into a search engine and they'll be able to find out a way of getting hold of it. Yeah, um, yeah, any... Um, um, yeah, anyone who sells books, really. But uh, if you go to uh, my website, junglegarden.com, that also has a link on there to uh, buy it. And then uh, that link, actually, um, if you buy it through there, you also support your local bookshops. So if you don't want to go uh, the big giants, then you can do that one. Perfect. Well, have a, a wonderful January. Enjoy the days getting longer. 
and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. In the meantime, happy gardening, everybody. Happy gardening. <laughs> happy gardening. Bye. Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.